This is Lab Medicine Rounds, a curated podcast for physicians, laboratory professionals, and students. I'm your host, Justin Kreuter, the Bowtie Bandit of Blood, a transfusion medicine pathologist at Mayo Clinic. Today, we're rounding with Ellen Dykeman Dulkus. Ellen is a consultant for Mayo Clinic Laboratories Outreach and Network Development Team, and she's here to discuss rapid reference laboratory development. Thanks for joining us today, Ellen. Hey, Dr. Corder. Nice to nice to be here today. Thanks for the invite. So Ellen and I are actually good old colleagues where I did my uh, residency at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. That's where I first met Ellen and we were just discussing that it's been 10 years. And so this this show yeah. is a, a fun one for me, both personally and professionally. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see you again, Justin. It's awesome. So Ellen, maybe you can start us off this concept of rapid reference uh, laboratory development. Why is reference laboratory testing important for physicians, laboratorians to understand? That's a good question. So no laboratory does all the testing in their own laboratory. So we partner with other laboratories and other providers that work with that laboratory locally to do that expanded test menu for them. And what happens is patients want to get their care in the area that they see their doctor. And because labs don't do all the testing themselves, Mayo Clinic Labs then becomes the reference lab to provide that state-of-the-art testing for that clinician to get their lab test done. I think that's an important point. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, that no lab does all the testing, because I know in the last uh, 10 years, actually, I've gotten feedback from the physicians we work with, and I've, I actually got that written feedback is for what tests we should bring in was all <laughs> lab tests. And that's a really important concept for people to understand is that labs really can't have that kind of a, a panel. It just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, financially, it doesn't make sense. You may see a specialized test once in a blue moon or a few times a year. And by the time you buy the equipment and you train staff to do that test, then your cost per test goes really up. What Mayo does, though, is we do encourage labs based on their volume to bring tests in whenever possible. We want the patient to get the care at the right time at the right place. But for those tests that they can't do, we want them to send to Mayo. And actually, this was a really great model when I was at Dartmouth Hitchcock and you were there. I was the outreach manager. And the state of New Hampshire is a very small state, but we have many couriers that come into the lab daily. And then those tests that we don't perform or didn't perform in Lebanon would then go to Mayo. And Mayo has an infrastructure with a courier to pick up specimens, take to Rochester. And then really by next day, in a lot of cases, the clinician's getting the result or shortly thereafter. We also have a subspecialty pathology service, as you know, at Mayo, similar to Dartmouth. So the relationship between uh, pathologist and clinician is really important. We also support the pathologist, you know, so if they need a second opinion, Justin, you can probably speak more to it on that, but you've got to phone a friend, a person to call. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's actually one of the themes of this podcast is our, our tagline is connecting lab medicine and the clinical practice through insightful conversations. And that's at the heart of what you're talking about with Reference Lab. And I like that you brought up this dynamic of those conversations may be with uh, physicians in distant practices that might be between pathologists. So uh, intra or inter-specialty conversations. Now, 
you were talking about why you might organize, you know, some lab tests locally and, and then what should go out to a reference lab. And you've been involved in this uh, intimately for a number of years. What have we really learned in the last couple of years about reference laboratories, how we can really best support clinical practice, right? You mentioned that of having that answer as, as quick as possible for the patient in their care. Yeah, I, I guess I would look at external labs, and, and there are two different kinds. There's reference lab testing, and then there's commercial lab. And Mayo sets itself apart from the commercial lab in that we do the partnership and education, where a commercial lab, you know, they may set up a draw station across the road from you and compete for the same work. We really want the local laboratory to see the bulk of the front-end interface with the patient. You know, you've seen one lab, you've seen one lab, and what makes Mayo Clinic Labs so much different is that we've partnered with labs across the country that really gives us the expertise to be helpful uh, resources to lab staff to grow their outreach business. It sounds like the relationship you're highlighting is one of the really important things that we've kind of learned on how you do that, right? Because that's how you're highlighting that as a reference lab, you're really providing that expertise to the local provider. Is there any sort of uh, how that gets done that has worked better? I imagine there's always some missteps that happen or ways that it works better or worse. And do you have any insights for how that communication goes? Well, the world I work in, I don't really, I'm not really interfacing with the providers. I really am working lab to lab with the lab leadership to maybe look at opportunities for improvement with their call center or logistics with courier and, and the temperatures that you ship specimens so that the lab, when they do the testing, has a specimen that's uh, at the right temperature and, and shipped properly. Patient identification. We really work on educating the laboratory so that they can be a better resource to their clients. That's brilliant. And I think a lot of things kind of fall down there as you kind of talk about specimen transport. We got it. It's in the wrong tube. You know, I deal with that all the time is getting a sample in the wrong tube and we're not validated for that sample type. You just get a pain in your heart because you know this means a recollect and, and delay of getting that answer that somebody wanted. For information on Mayo Clinic's Leveraging the Laboratory Conference, please go to mayocliniclabs.com slash 2021 levlab. I guess what you're pointing at is that there's a whole team of people with reference laboratories working on this interface so that these sort of errors are not uh, repeated and it's really in the patient's benefit, it sounds like. Yeah, we really focus on the pre-analytic. So everything that happens prior to the specimen being collected. And so think about what that means. It's getting a proper requisition. It's getting the right temperature specimen delivered. It's the right sample type. It's not collected in a blue top when it should have been collected in a purple top. And then post-analytic, we work in that world about the bills and about the resulting and getting reports to the right clinician. So we don't really deal with the analytic piece of it as much as we deal with the pre and post. Uh, with outreach. So speaking to our listeners, right, we've got laboratorians, physicians that are listening to this as well. 
how might a hospital laboratory partner and collaborate with their reference laboratory? I can imagine that sometimes it just seems like that expression of what it, it's a send out and it just sort of almost feels like it's out of your hands. You know, what can I do? And, but it sounds like what you're telling us here today is there's a lot of potential for collaboration and quality improvement. And so how might a hospital kind of reach out and partner? What are the ways to do that with their reference lab? Yeah, so I would say that the biggest thing immediately short term, uh, September 28th and 29th, Mayo Clinic Laboratories is hosting a conference leveraging the laboratory. And we are really going to be talking about the pandemic and then the resilience post-pandemic. We have a speaker that's coming to talk to us about how they partnered with the PGA to do COVID testing. We are going to talk about legal issues. A lawyer for Mayo Clinic Labs is going to be talking about things we should know so that we're compliant. We're going to have breakout sessions that talk about what I was just highlighting, logistics, courier, billing, customer support. And so there'll be breakout sessions that you can sign up for and participate. And then really outreach is really networking, you know, having someone to work with. So I think the Leveraging the Lab Conference is really a, a wonderful way that folks can start to understand how others are doing it, you know, so to watch one, do one, teach one. Robert Michelle is going to be there and he has no, he needs no introduction. Uh, Robert Michelle will be talking about outreach and, and what's going on in the world. And so I think it's a really value-added conference if you are able to attend or to get folks in your world to attend, they can register. And I think at least starts the discussion about outreach and how you can do things better. That's really wonderful because it sounds like you can pick up the phone and reach out to your lab. And certainly I encourage everybody to do that too, as Ellen's saying, to network and build this relationship that the reference laboratories are, are eager to do that. But also, I mean, it sounds like this conference is really a, a rich place to not only hear answers and ask questions, but also to hear what other people are asking and talking about as well. I was wondering, uh, you know, <laughs> looking into your crystal ball. Okay, okay. <laughs> you have a, a wealth of experience and background, and you're going to be talking at this conference about this rapid reference laboratory development. What does the future of reference laboratories look like, do you think? This is a really dynamic uh, environment for our physician listeners. Reference laboratories, this is a very dynamic area of uh, medicine and healthcare these days. So, Ellen, what do you, what do you think might be in store for us? Well, I think partnerships are going to play a critical role. Many hospitals are partnering in their local area or across their state with other institutions to get efficiencies of scale, working leaner. Maybe they don't all do one test, but they may do some test sharing and consolidation, even around equipment and standardization of equipment and results. I think that in the short term is, is really important. But long term, I think having a reference laboratory that partners with you, we compete on quality service service price and value. And value for the money is going to play a pivotal role. And Mayo Clinic Labs is really set up well to offer value. Mayo Clinic Labs is set up to really be a partner for reference lab testing for hospitals. We want to serve patients in your community and we succeed when local laboratories succeed. So I think we can add value to the patient experience uh, by being your silent partner. That's wonderful and well said. I feel like this highlights really for our full audience. Uh, you know, I think this conversation with you today, you've really kind of 
shed this light on, I think, for our physician listeners, why we, do we have uh, reference laboratories? And I think that you've uh, really built that bridge for helping them to understand that they can reach out to whoever is that reference laboratory, pick up the phone. You should be able to talk with somebody, get somebody uh that has answers for you and can help you navigate your questions for the laboratorians that are listening to this. Yeah. I mean, I think you're also showcasing not only the upcoming conference, which I think is a really cool opportunity, but you're also highlighting the fact that they too can pick up the phone and that the reference laboratory Although, you know, there might be this perception of this kind of ivory tower or something and far off in the distance that the reference laboratory is really eager to partner. And I think that maybe it works in both directions. Sometimes the reference laboratory doesn't really know who the right person to contact on, on your end might be. And so, again, right. sort of starting those introductions. Ellen, you brought up the idea of networking, and I think that's something that our student listeners can kind of take away from this as well, as well as learning about this kind of unique, and I like the idea you brought up the, the, the laboratory as the silent partner for clinical yes, medicine. Definitely. And, uh, you know, for our students, this is something that I remember as a medical student, the laboratory was still a black box, even as a fourth year medical student going into pathology. And so it's something that's really behind the scenes, but I think this hopefully kind of gives you an idea of the landscape and probably also uh, Ellen's stress of the networking and the relationships, which Perfect. is kind of going to be valuable no matter what you're doing in medicine. Thank you so much, uh, Ellen. I really appreciate this today. No question is a dumb question. You know, it's really, if you want to know the answer, reach out to the right people that can give you that answer because ultimately we all want the patient and uh, the patient care team to succeed. We've been rounding with Ellen Dykeman Dulkus on rapid reference laboratory development. Thank you for taking the time to talk about this with us. To our listeners, we thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions via email. Please direct any suggestions to mcleducation at mayo.edu. If you've enjoyed Lab Medicine Rounds podcast, please follow or subscribe. Until our next rounds together, we encourage you to continue to connect lab medicine and the clinical practice through insightful conversations. Thank you.